coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, if you don't like the acronym. Um, yeah, I want to talk about some preseason observations or... Not really preseason observations, so much as things people have observed in the preseason and won't shut up about now. Um, any effect on rookie rankings so far? Um, and also, I've noticed an increased tendency this preseason, I guess we'll call it, um, to consider trading for or trading away rookies um, more than I usually see. And I thought that was interesting, so I thought we'd talk about that for a second as well. Uh, yeah, welcome back. Let's get to it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the mass not adding up You said I'm checking it out I'm just Welcome to the ground Okay, hello, yeah, alright Uh, preseason, I am paying attention Uh, I'm not Uh, but I am on Twitter a lot So I happen to know a lot what's going on Um, it's not that I don't think preseason matters. It's it's that the season takes up so much of my time when it gets here. I tend to like these first few weeks before the season starts to not do anything. We've ran through, as I looked at in the last episode. Oh, back from Kenton now, by the way. It was a blast. It was fun. It was great. Um, <laughs> talk about that more in a bit, maybe. But um, I like the break. Like, I spend all year grinding dynasty strategy and stra- dynasty ideas and or off-season, I'm trying to produce, you know, uh, a recreation of last season, what we learned, what we didn't learn, what we got right, what we didn't get right, then on to breakout research and any way to improve the process from the last off-season based on what we just learned, and also just occasionally dropping in an interview with a friend. And then we're on to values and process and ADP and who's looking like a good whatever, um, you know, breakouts, values, sleepers, all, all the buzzwords, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm tired. I haven't played a computer game in forever. I haven't watched a movie. Like this is what I do with the free time I get, and the preseason. There's not really much for me to do. Collecting preseason stats is interesting. So is preseason DFS. Don't get me wrong, but like you have, I have to cut out something, and preseason is one of them. I don't find my observations of football in general to be much help to me. I prefer other people's observations of football. Um, and while I enjoy watching sport, 
Like, I don't find a lot of time to sit in front of a TV in general, even without fantasy football. So it's just something I cut out, and I'm paying passive attention. So, you know, throwing out the context, that, that's where I'm at. That's where it's coming from. Um, so let's talk about some of the standouts. One is I, uh, Isaiah uh, was, uh, Pachinko, <laughs> uh, the running back that I definitely missed. Even that, even if he doesn't hit, I missed him because I had no awareness of him. Behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the depth shot from this year's rookie class. Apparently he's uh, impressing very well on the field and doing preseason type stuff. I will say one of the reasons I find the preseason too easy enough to fade is like Scott Barrett's got a tweet out right now and I've shared it about everyone that stood out in last preseason and they're all yeah they're not players you wanted it turns out but you know since we are heavily interested in micro markets and value markets I think I've missed by just not pointing out an athletic running back behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who everyone hates and behind Rojo who everyone's tired of being a sleeper on because it won't happen um (laughs) That could have been a micro market to exploit, and I just I, I had he never turned up in any of my rookie research. He's in the database, and he didn't show up particularly interesting. He played a pretty part time role, role despite playing full complements of seasonal games, which especially if it was a receiving position, I'd just write him off. But at running back, we know it can be a little weird, and apparently he's got a skill set, and it's displaying in preseason, so I don't hate it, and it's definitely something I feel like I should pay more attention to catching, not players that stick out, but types of players that might have at least a volume or value increase from from something like the preseason or a single game. Or Anyway, it's an area I want to improve next offseason. As it is right now, I think if like me, you're just learning about him, it's it's probably too late. Uh, Scott Barrett tweet, preseason standouts are rarely seasonal standouts. And, and the few that are are hammered so hard in the old member when discourse of Dynasty podcasts that it feels like it was obvious that Kareem Hunt was going to be awesome. Uh, in fact, there are other indicators that I have as part of my process already. Um so yeah I think if you're already having to pay a second for him I think that's fine for any backup running back you know roster running backs in dynasty it makes sense especially as part of your depth because that's the place depth might actually have an edge and have a a matter um but I'm not well how did I say it on the dynasty grind I want to run to catch up on the things that I'm wrong on but I don't want to overtake there are very few times I want to overtake and that's normally based on the actual results like Jalen Waddle right now I was behind the field in his rankings I consider myself wrong in his rookie rankings even though it wasn't too bad but it was too low and now I'm pretty much ahead of the field in instances like that where a rookie breaks into the top 12 I will not just run to catch up I will overtake but in things like I may have missed this rookie and um, preseason um observations are looking good I, I don't want to overtake, so I'm not going out and throwing out second round picks for, uh, for Isaiah. I'm going to have to learn how to say that dang name, sorry. Um, I mean, there are other running backs that aren't getting quite the hype that we like preseason, or, or sorry, pre-preseason, I guess, um, that I'd rather spend a second round pick on if I'm looking to do that, and I'm rarely looking to just send a random second for a random running back, and we try to get to him ahead of time, hence micro-markets. Another player that I'm seeing a lot of observations on from Twitter is uh, Damian Pierce, but we already knew about that, right? We knew he was the lead 
into getting volume in Houston. I'm not overly interested in him in terms of his rookie profile. He's seventh overall for me pre-draft. At the running back position, he's sixth post-draft. And sorry, that was Brian Robinson, who's also getting a lot of Twitter mentions. Uh, Damian Pierce rose from like 37 pre-draft to seventh overall post-draft. We knew, and that jump is purely because of his draft capital, but also because of his landing spot. And we knew he has an in to volume. I, I, I was think of him as cheap James Connor, frankly. I'm not overly excited, willing to be proven wrong, and it's nice to see a player getting mentioned in the preseason. Um, but we should... I'd probably roster him where the value is good enough to roster him from my rookie uh, rankings. Brian Robinson, again, uh, me and Zach talked a lot about him being discounted, almost not talked about a lot, and I had him 7th and 6th. Um, I think he's a really interesting player in Washington. I don't... The conversation on Twitter is now he has a running back one job, and I know half of it is memes and jokes at this point, but, I mean, I think that's a little too strong. I think Antonio Gibson is still the lead running back because he's really good, but Brian Robinson is showing what we suspected, that he has a skill set and a talent and an ability to take on that role, even if it's a partial role to begin with, and should an unfortunate or fortunate, I guess Antonio Gibson could just win the lottery, I don't know, situation occur um Brian Robinson could well see a value increase and also a touch increase and therefore create more fantasy points than he currently costs. But hopefully, I think we already knew that. I don't have to make too many adjustments there. Haven't heard a lot about Wondell Robinson outside of some Rondell Moore comparisons in terms of his role in preseason. And honestly, based on what we knew of Wondell Robinson already, had him ninth pre-draft, 11th post-draft, because he felt a little bit... Um, but still liked him a lot, and I've adjusted my rookie ranks, and again, you can find those on Patreon, um, and also on DLF. Uh, I, I'm still fairly high on him as uh, an overall startup draft, for that matter, let alone in terms of his rookie ranks. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty hopeful for him, but, you know, Rondo Moore did just happen. Uh, Jalen Talbot's getting a lot of note um, in Dallas, and I like seeing that. He's one of the rookies I really like pre-draft, and I was a little disappointed post-draft because he went to Dallas. I had him 12th overall pre-draft as a wide receiver, and I, he maintained that post-draft. Um, and my notes on him, and again, uh, in this case, all my rookie ranks, um, one place everyone can find them, and also my rookie notes, actually, pre- and post-draft are available in my pinned database, both on Patreon and on Twitter, which is free. It's a college database where all the stats kept for college type things. Um, but my notes just read, Dallas, really? Well, I guess Amari Cooper is gone. There were a few spelling mistakes in there, if I'm being completely honest. And um, Tobat has potential appeal, but we're, uh, we're really in the, it's probably better to roster running backs um, this deep territory, which feels wrong. But looking at the way my rookie ranks and my rookie drafts have gone so far, I ended up with a significant share of Tolbert. So apparently my notes are a little more pessimistic than my ranks because he was falling to a place in my drafts. And this off season where I was ending up with him quite a lot, actually. So um, we spent a little bit more time talking about a player I liked less because I thought he was going to be the player that fell to me more often. Um, and that was, God, uh, I'm forgetting the rookie names. It's been so long. Hang on a second. Khalil Shakir. Um, I thought he was going to be the rookie that just fell to me all the time at the end of the second or in the mid-third. But in fact, Tobit was still there, so I was taking him a lot. Um, and I like him a lot more than, uh, I've got his name straight away, uh, Khalil as well, even though I still think he has, you know, some deep appeal. So, um, 
yeah, Twitter observations are Twitter observations. You've probably noticed them the same as me. Uh, what I do notice is Isaiah Spiller um, and Rashad White, two players I had ranked high second round um, in rookie dress. They're not getting a lot of note, um, but players like James Cook, who definitely has a draft capital and a skill set to have immediate impact, and like we said, Damian Pierce are getting more note because they're doing things in the preseason, but I still prefer those two running backs. In fact, one of the things I've seen is people asking a lot about if to trade for George Pickens, who's also killing the preseason, also killing the training camp buzz and how much the team like him and how much his teammates uh, say about him that is positive. Now, pre-draft, I had Pickens as my wide receiver two. Post-draft, he actually dropped uh, and now that feels like a mistake. He was second overall in my ranks pre-draft at wide receiver and seventh post-draft, which still isn't low. But, you know, I just got done saying how I wasn't low technically on Waddle, but I was too low. And Pickens could well be that player this year. Um, he didn't fall. He got decent draft capital. It's just, as we know, Alave and Sky Moore and so many players got, to my mind, surprising first uh, and second round draft capital that he fell a little bit because of it uh, model weights draft capital for obvious reasons as we've talked about but um yeah I still really like George Pickens I'm not surprised and this is what uh, we were talking about in the dynasty grind last time it's like this is why it's important to establish an opinion on what a player did in college and how well it compares to past players already like I'm not surprised and so I'm not selling the George Pickens hype um or the Jalen Talbot type but is someone's willing to bet too hard because hype is just hype it's just the preseason and again scott barrett's tweet there's very little there there when it comes to preseason hype despite the fact the few times there is it'll be hammered into your head so often it'll feel like it's always true and always happens much like certain breakout players might mention that again soon um but yeah I, like i like joe perkins a lot he's worth a first round pick because that's what i was just willing to spend on him and um, an interesting uh comment by Mike Daddy's Home, uh, DLF contributor and giant man, uh, having met him at the expo. Um, he's huge. Um, like, I will take rookies, I will take the season at this point. If I've had to make a rookie pick, by had to, I mean they fell to me or I was able to go up and get them where I thought they should be taken and I really like their profile, like Pickens or like Traylon Burks this year or David Bell and then I'm just going to see what happens in the season I have made the bet now if you're willing to overpay like a first plus another player I like a lot um like a, a like a David Bell or a deeper sleeper um I would consider it it's all about balancing value and the potential of points but trading them straight up for another first just because 2023 is too overhyped is a type of overvaluation of 2023 which is going to begin to become uh part of our dynasty life now because 23 is you know peak hype and it's only going to get worse and so in general i'm not trading pickings for a first now what i have seen matt price done and i've started to fish with it myself is take players like jalen talbot who i like a lot but i got you know mid to late second round and pair them with a first round pick and see if i can go up to that top value tier which again you can find in my uh, I mentioned them last week, but also you can see that Patreon article that links to a sheet that distinctly shows you who I'm higher and lower on based on the logarithmic calculation I was talking about um, for establishing values in ranks versus ADP. So you can see all of them all the time. And Jalen Waddle, uh, or just my trade targets list in my ranks sheet on Patreon. Um, Jalen Waddle, CD Lamb, these are players I'm heavily interested in investing in just as general journalistic process, even if 
CD Lamb's breakout, well, a very clear likely breakout is somewhat suspect because 2022 should be a little less likely to produce younger breakouts just because of what we've seen recently, but I'm still heavily in. So if I can get Talbot to a 23 first and get Jalen Waddle or CD Lamb or jump up into one of those significant tier brackets, I will sell players I like with preseason hype to do that. Now, am I putting a first with George Pickens to get up there? Yeah, I would also do that. But I'd start out with a Jalen Tolbert and see if we could work into a George Pickens because there was a clear round separation between the two. If you're interested in any specific trades, again, like you're thinking about offering one or you want to offer one one, you can just hit me up on Twitter anytime. But also, you know, the Dynasty Grind every Wednesday, it's, it's a lot of what the conversation is. People asking about trade ideas, trades they want to offer, trades they have offered. And you just throw it out in the chat. And me and also Zach Reed, um, Dynasty Outhouse, um, who are much better at trading than me, will be happy to talk through if we think it's a good or a bad idea. But as a general consensus, like, I will take this preseason hype, add it to what I already think of the player, add a first-round pick and try to jump up for like one of my true targets this year. That's the only way I'm really trading rookies. Um, that includes running backs, frankly, um, and sticking more true to my rookie ranks than I think most are willing to do. Like the large point I'd like to make about the preseason notes is my, I'm not changing my ranks. This is, a, this is a, like I'm disappointed with my Pickens rank now, but if I'm going to take a lump, I'll take it so that I can look back, see that I got it wrong instead of adjusting it a little bit. Um, for, you know, narrative reasons, and then not be able to adjust the fact that I shouldn't have pulled Pickens as far down as I did because of draft capital, that would be, that that would have a negative effect on my ability to do better next year, which I hope to do. I've done as well as I can, I think, this year, and it's definitely not going to be perfect, and I want to do better next year, so screw that. And so my ranks are still the same. I rank pre-draft, and when the once the draft happens, I don't change those pre-draft ranks anymore. And then I rank post-draft. And I give myself a leeway of a few weeks to settle into the idea, to see ADP, to listen to other people's analysis and read it as well, and, and adjust accordingly, because I like to take on other good ideas. Um, and But then once I'm finished, and I'm finished with rookie ranks now, I'm just going to leave it there to see what I got right and what I got wrong without things that I can't consistently rely on to occur or even have an effect like preseason hype um to adjust them so my rookie ranks are still my rookie ranks david bell is getting a lack of note i i noticed in the preseason and because i've established what i think or at least a pretty solid they're not laws they're rules but i have a pretty solid idea of what i think their potential in the nfl is i think that makes david bell a better buy right now than george pickens because i like them both a lot and David Bell's getting no extra because of a apparent lack of preseason um, standout. Same with Traylon Burks. He's my wide receiver one, pre-draft, post-draft, still is now. And he's getting more memes, actually, and how he's terrible and going to be a tight end next year or something. As a joke, I don't think anyone's seriously saying that. And so if I can work Traylon Burks into a trades, I'm interested in doing that. But again, largely, I don't think rookies should be traded for until we see the season if you if you didn't get to a place to like them enough before the preseason then you're probably trying to overtake instead of catch up to use a phrase that i try try to establish earlier so i'm not doing it actually just before we go i say isaiah likely is getting some note he's my tight end two in this draft class pre and post draft 
and that's nice to see, I guess, as a tight end. This year, tight ends are very reasonable priced as rookies, so I don't hate it. And also Tyler Batty, Kyron Williams, two deeper running backs I liked, are getting hardly any notice, so I don't mind slipping them in as trade ads. And if you're looking for something to grease the reels for a lack of preseason hype, perhaps creating an easier time to add them to trades for those deeper running back targets. And two roster running backs, Keontae Ingram also hasn't had a lot of run, neither is Pierre Strong. All three ahead ranked pretty strongly uh, versus the field. Uh, Tyrion Davis-Price is someone I'll mention as well. Because I had uh, he's one of those running backs I had no... I, I hadn't noticed, um, but I noticed before the preseason because someone mentioned him and went and looked into him. I've got him ranked 13th overall in my post-draft running back ranks. Um, Green Bay depth run, running back, I'm pretty sure. No, sorry, uh, San Francisco. Uh, don't hate it, especially with Elijah Mitchell, who sh- has good breakout potential this year, but um, he has an injury history too. Running backs tend to have um, a, a higher inclination towards injury as well. I don't hate it, not because I have particular stats or his college profile stands out, but because he was mentioned to me beforehand and looking into him, I did bring rise him up into that. Um, Brian Robinson, well, actually tier below Brian Robinson, target at depth running back ad. Um, and, you know, I like to incorporate other people's opinions, and I've heard some good ones on the fact he's a decent depth ad. And right now, unlike uh, players like Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson, who get a lot of note, but who also had higher ranked already, um, again, he's just uh, maybe a little undernoted and a little easier ad. But again, rookies are very difficult to add at this point. People, I find going to want more than they already just drafted him for should have got higher on him before the uh, before the draft you can correct like ah, i miss george pickens i shouldn't draft him too low but i don't want to overtake again i'm not paying a 2023 first for a player i just drafted in the first round when i have a whole season where they can change their stars and do some of the things i thought they could do and then suddenly i've got something that i should get a plus on a first i gotta take the season at this point if i really like a player unless I can already get that value jump, like maybe Pierce pricing together Jalen Tolbert. And um, Matt Price has got some great ones, by the way. That tweet he put out of some trades he'd done recently really gave me some ideas, like adding two of these standout preseason rookies, even if I like them, to jump up to like a player I've got. I mean, they're discounted for one reason or another, maybe, but also like no questions about in terms of their points or even in terms of their value. Like that's a really interesting idea. Uh, and I'm trying it out, and hopefully I'll hook some trades. Anyway, so a question I've been asking myself are, who are players like these? It's a comment that comes up um, when I start, you know, I'm not trying to be unreasonable about Gabe Davis. I'm really not. But I really think a likely positive expectation, like if this player is as good as I think he is, which is pretty good, it's McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman actually surprised me because at the time I, w- I really didn't allow myself to think that players were good if I didn't like them. Um, but yeah, he surprised me in terms of what he was actually able to do. I thought he, I thought he'd be more Kiki Kute because again, I had very much a black and white process um, a couple of years ago. Um, and in fact, he's you know four to six to seven hundred yards, maybe a couple of touchdowns here and there. He's definitely usable. He's an interesting, viable, above-average player in the NFL at the wide receiver position. That's awesome. That means he's extremely talented. And I think that's a reasonable expectation for Gabe Davis based on his comparisons. I don't want to do that conversation again. I've done it too many times already. But a comment that comes up when I try to politely inst- explain why my process puts him where it does. Um, 
is players like these. Well, you got to understand about players like these. The thing people don't get about these types of players. I'm like, that's my entire process. Like, I don't think... A lot of times when people argue with me, they think I'm just a nerd who's got a number who believes... Like, I'm willing to see the gray around black and white boundaries. Like I was just saying, increasingly so. But I want to do it accurately. What are players like these? That's literally what I go looking for. Like, the similarities of this player and what they've done so far to other players. Like, it's not a stats process necessarily. It's a historical one. And I don't... Like, if there were players like these with Gabe Davis in terms of breaking out sustainable or um, usable top 24, top 12 roles in the NFL, like, he'd rate higher for me. That's the whole point. Um, So I went looking. And players, there are... Let's see. Nine players have broken out outside the third career year, and that's not Gabe Davis, but I wanted to look for the rarer ones. Drafted since 2009. Um, Adam Thielen, John Brown, Rashad Matthews, Devontae Parker. Mike Williams is an interesting one, because as someone pointed out to me on Twitter in an interesting conversation, um, Ryan Heath, I think his name was, I recommended him as a follow, because I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and he knows his stuff. As that is Apparently his targets per route run is not only stable in his first few years, but very similar to Gabe Davis. And I think that's interesting because Mike Williams would never come up as a comp from Gabe Davis to me because he's higher drafted. He was in his fifth year last year when he finally uh, managed to break out into the top 24. And he also broke into the top 36 by his second career year. Again, that's why I want that filter on my breakouts actually works. Like most establish a top 36 and break out before they break out into the top 24 or the top 12, like to the tune of 70% of all breakouts, and not all do it exactly the year before, although the majority of those 70% do. And some are like Mike Williams. They break out earlier, and then injuries, and then they break out slightly later, like Mike Williams did in his fifth year, who we definitely missed on last year. I didn't think he was going to finish as a wide receiver 13 or anything. He's way too far into his career year, despite having the top 36 season. He would have rated, and I've managed to find a way of historically tracking my the breakout calculation for previous seasons. He rated a lot higher than Gabe Davis before last year, um, but he wouldn't have stood out in the top 10 or anything. Anyway, um, who else was it? Tyler Lockett, who was very much in on, had two uh, top 24 seasons in his career year four and five, and then broke out into the top 12 in career year six. Um, Adam Humphreys, Robert Woods, and Marvin Jones. Those are the ones who break out after the third career year, and I thought it was an interesting list to look at because there are a lot of, you know, Alan Lazard and um, other later career breakouts. Um, and I missed one last year, Hunter Renfro. Um, so why not look at them? One that there are very, very few of them. Most established a top 36 season, at least the season before they break out into the top 24 or top 12. Again, that's why that's a filter. Um, and all of them, except for Humphreys and Thielen, had uh, third round draft capital. The Rashad Matthews did had seventh, like the one guy with seventh round draft capital. It's it's not, you know, I like lower draft capital. The seventh round in particular seems to be death. Um, even Antonio Brown had sixth. But anyway, um. There's very, very few of them, most established top 36 season. I don't think I miss many of those with my process, um, as we've already looked at it. Uh, the next group I went and looked at, and it's a group of 11 players, is third-year breakouts. Like, there's none of them with less than a 10% target share. None of them who hadn't had a top 36 season um, before they broke out, at least into the top 24. Many of these broke out into the top 12, actually, because third-year 
is a popular top 12 breakout category. Now, there are four who didn't who didn't finish in the top 24 before they broke out into the top 12 or top 24. That's um, Devontae Adams, a perpetual standout in break, late breakouts. Not only is he a late breakout, but he's been Devontae Adams. That's that's incredibly rare. Um, Devin Funches, who never got back inside the top 24 again. Nelson Aguilar, who's had a couple of top 36 seasons, but never had a top 24 season again after that third career year top 24 breakout. And then Hunter Renfro, who I mentioned already missed. So it's not like there aren't these guys, but they're relatively few. And I, I still don't see how many of them compare to Gabe Davis or... Uh, even Alan Lazard, who I want to like. Now, Alan Lazard at least had a 14% target share last year. But going into his fifth year, it gets such a short list. Um, and there are very few indicators beyond that. Uh, I would prefer Alan Lazard to Gabe Davis, if only because Alan Lazard is drafted reasonably, like at a place where you would take it. Um, and that got me into thinking about other preseason hype, since I was going to talk about this today. And I wanted to mention, once again, we've mentioned him before, but not particularly strongly, uh, Josh Palmer. Um, he's entering his second this year uh, in 2022. He he didn't particularly stand out in the sophomore model of his rookie season. But, you know, he was uh, maple-powered, according to Tan Ho, who I'm a big fan of. He's from Canada. Um, he's the right size and had an interesting college profile and also came from Canada. So I was a little bit interested in searching back through the things I've written, also the things I've put out on Twitter on him. He was always an interesting depth at. Something that occurs to me is that he's entering his second career year, so he's got two more years of potentially uh, being one of the most likely breakouts. Although, again, the formula literally will raise fifth and sixth years up in certain conditions. It's not purely based on career year. But um, it occurred to me that he could well be Gabe Davis next year, where I'm disappointed, but he still did well enough this season. Um, And it connected with a conversation I had about, you know, um, with Curtis... uh, uh, on Twitter, former DLF contributor, awesome guy, and but he was saying Justin Herbert should be ranked as a, a quarterback two above Patrick Mahomes because he already finished higher than him and he's awesome and a whole bunch of different stats. But something that occurred to me because what Curtis was saying is that, um, you know, the team's got a a, a limiting deal because they've already paid Patrick Mahomes and he lost his wide receiver. The team is worse. I'm like a year out. Will the charges be any different? I mean, Herbert's gonna get paid. I mean, he can do nothing this year. The Chargers are going to pay him when it gets close to his rookie contract being up because he's he's really good. Um, Keenan Allen, who I love as part of Team Old Guy, but he's already getting discounted. He's already age 30. Mike Williams, we just talked about, but he's well into his grace. 27th at this point. We're probably seeing the end of the heights of his production, in my opinion. And then you've got Josh Palmer. Like, this time next year, it's not impossible that Josh Palmer is slated to be the wide receiver too and if he gets between four and six to seven hundred yards and doesn't even do more than that which my breakout calculation says it shouldn't even though i think could think he's continues to be an interesting player who seems to be above average and an interesting prospect but outside the top 20 likely acceleration in volume and and potential this year but like that's all he would have to do to be you know, a Gabe Davis hype candidate. Because that's what these types of players are to me. They're not likely breakouts. They're not players that other people are idiots on and they don't see the upside. It's players who've done reasonably well are good players. And then through 
various things I honestly think are mistakes in part of the process get talked into having higher potential upside or higher likelihood of having potential upside. So yeah, I think Josh Palmer is interesting because he could at least be a high micro market guy at some point. Um, and also he's a pretty interesting prospect in and of himself. So I'm thinking of developing something to help highlight those players, not players we think are going to be Hunter Renfro even, um, and certainly not CeeDee Lamb or Jalen Waddle, but could be players that are more like, well, frankly, I've bet on a bunch of them because they were reasonably priced and undrafted, Tim Patrick and Zach Pascal. Now, they didn't get the hype, um, but they actually fulfill similar requirements to Gabe Davis and McCall Hartman, which is, again, I like the profile. I don't like where they tend to get drafted once, you know, hype Twitter gets a hold of them and starts talking about fictional things like vacated targets. Um, but if we can identify him early, I can start to maybe find a source of what we've talked about in the Dynasty Grind, and Zachary constantly chills me for with uh, Tyquan Thornton, of not being able to get it on players that I don't necessarily like, but could increase in value enough that you wish you rostered them to trade them, if nothing else. And also, there is potential in these players. Like, 30% of breakouts literally don't measure in at all. Hunter Renfro happened last year, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw Josh Palmer out. Um, and also, if anyone's got any ideas about that, really like to hear how we could potentially highlight um, those types of players. Uh, one th- last thing before we go. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what to do with the crossroads. I love just a nerdy little place I can talk through my process and stuff, and it's going to keep being that. But after the expo, um, a thought I had, one of the things we all enjoy is the first time we heard of and the help we got from other people trying to develop our own platforms. And I just went ahead and decided, especially through the season where I'm not a hot take podcast, this is the information this week and this is what you need to do. We're more, we're trying to get ahead of the field. And if any, if we're trying to do anything at all, um, and I tend to operate a week behind uh, in terms of the content I'm talking about and actionability and looking for things that other people may have missed. So you can take advantage of them a week later. But I also thought maybe the season would be a good chance to bring on people I've never spoken to before. Maybe some are just getting started. Maybe some have been around a few years. And maybe I am good friends with a couple of them, actually, and just never had them on the podcast. And I'd really like to get a chance to introduce them to anyone that listens to The Crossroads. So for the next few weeks, I already have four weeks scheduled out. Four interviews with people that I haven't talked to before. Um, three of them are literally brand new, just started, and I think they're interesting. I want to get to learn what their process is, and maybe we'll see if they're worth a follow. And worth following, wait, that's the same word twice, uh, and can add to our skill set and potentially increase our chances to win at fantasy, or maybe they're just fun, and I like that as part of my online timeline as well. Um, and we'll see. Uh, if you know of someone, uh, hit me up, because obviously the thing about new people is you don't know about them till they're not new anymore, and too many accounts fall by the wayside because they forget to ask, so I'm going to start actively pursuing them since too few of them uh, actually think to ask to come on podcasts or get shared or have someone read their work and offer an opinion. And so if you know someone or if you are someone just getting started or think that could you know, would be cool or fun, let me know. I'm really looking for new people to talk to um this season at least and we'll see if we can branch it into like a part of the crossroads identity maybe we'll start doing two episodes a week i don't know this is as far as i've thought it through i want to talk to some people you might not have heard of 
um, or heard from a lot, especially on the crossroads, and see if we can't expand uh, our little community a little bit. So, uh, yeah, let me know. Um, and let me know what you think about that idea, obviously. Thanks very much for checking out the podcast this week, and I will talk to you again next week with guest. Yeah, with guest. I swear I have one planned. I know normally I don't, but this time I do. All right. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical.